What's up NBA fans, we're at that period during the summertime when there is absolutely no action going on unless of course you're an avid baseball fan or there is some random soccer tournament going on but this year looks like there are no random soccer tournaments so we are definitely at a period of low headlines when it comes to sports but we got some things to still talk about here on the second stringers nba podcast as well as part two of our free agency breakdown where we're not we're not breaking down so much the stars but really some of these other good value or bad value signings that other teams conducted here but before we head into that a little funeral session here because the end of the players only broadcast from turner sports tnt has come to an end here and Sean, I want to know your thoughts on this. I have my thoughts on the on these players only broadcasts, but I'm eager to hear yours. Well, Alan, this has got to be the best thing TNT could have done for themselves. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad we agree. Tells, yeah, that tells me you agree with me. Man, nobody cared about players only. It was kind of like a cheap marketing tactic to make us think that they were doing something special when they really were just like trying to cover for Charles Barkley being on vacation. Yeah. Taking his vacation time. Man. They, uh, they, they just really had nothing going for them. I don't think there was one person I can point to that was like, okay, like at least they have this guy. Like yeah. it was all around just poor production. <laughs> they just didn't know what to talk about half the time. It, it, they didn't really talk about the game enough ever. They're just talking about whatever they wanted to talk about. Th- this is a great move. I don't know if they're <laughs> gonna, what they're going to replace it with. Like I hope it's something better than players only though. That that was a failed experiment gone on way too long. <laughs> I I agree with you. I think it became clear to me. I, I I think it only really took like so after the first one I was like okay this isn't as good as I thought it was gonna be. But you know I'll <laughs> give it a chance. But halfway through the 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 season of the first year they were doing it. I was like, okay, I'm over this. Like, yeah. I might just put my TV on mute and, and do my own play by play breakdown. The, the local radio broadcast, oh, whatever yeah. team's going. Yeah. I, to me, the, the, lo- the biggest low light has to be Kevin McHale and Chris Weber. Whenever those <laughs> two guys Weber. were on there, they were by far the biggest headaches of all of them. And, Kevin McHale, he was just like, he's just one of those dudes who's like, yeah, you know, it's just not quite like it was back in my day. Or remember back in our <laughs> day, every single time. And, you know, <laughs> that gets annoying. And it's not like Kevin Mc- Kevin McHale was good for his time. I think now, and I mean, this is probably a hot take, but or maybe not. I think nowadays, I don't, I think he's like maybe an average power forward in the NBA. Dang. <laughs> so <laughs> to mean, hear yeah, him com- give these criticisms yeah. is like got a little on my nerves. So I'm glad we agree here. And yes, it's yeah. a positive with, with thank uh, goodness. Yeah. Positive by getting rid of this. Yeah. So who, like, I want to ask you this though. Who do you think is more annoying? Kevin McHale or Jeff Van Gundy? Oh, that's a close one. <laughs> See, Jeff Van Gundy though, he has these little tidbits where he gives great, I mean, he's obviously a great basketball coach, so he does give great basketball analysis, pretty detailed, but between all the junk that comes out of his <laughs> out of his mouth. And he'll also have these little sh- anecdotes that are actually pretty good at times. Um, and that alone will get me, because I, ca- I can't think of a single thing that I heard Kevin McHale say in any of the broadcast, <laughs> any of the... Br- Just no redeeming And I was qualities. like, wow, that's a, cra- that's a pretty good little short story, or that's a great breakdown, or that's some great <laughs> insight. And, that, and that's the thing about the players-only broadcast is the idea, I think, was, well, if you throw players on in chairs, you know, they'll give an insight that just 
that broadcasters just can't give or reporters can't give. But a lot of the times they went with like pretty standard stereotypical lines like, oh, that was a great move or like way to find the guy in the corner. (laughs) Not, Not really like the tidbits that I think I was expecting and probably TNT expected out of their players only crew. Yeah, I think it comes down to they just don't have broadcasting experience. You yeah. know, like they don't they don't know what to say. They don't know how to spice it up. They can only say what like first comes to mind. And for them, it's like it's just too much to think about at once. And yeah, uh, I'm just glad it's done. I'm glad <laughs> it's done. I, I just I really hope that they get Kevin Harlan on like most games this year. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if we're if we're being honest and if we want to take this even, even another step, Marv Albert is done. You like, think so? He the man needs to retire. I cannot tell you how many mess ups of names. Oh, like, that's right. How many mess ups of names this guy did, and they weren't even like close to the play. Like they didn't even play for the same team. I feel like sometimes the names that he's calling out. It's like, yeah, I just I, as time is up. You know, I I used to love Marvel. He he had a fantastic career, but man, you got to go out now before you become way too senile. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because it looks like ESPN has already pushed out like um, Hubie Brown. Like Hubie Brown's not on TV anymore. Um, yeah, I like Hubie Brown, and as I like a, him as a color too. Guy, yeah, he he has a lot of like energy and passion for the game. I just don't get anything from Marv Albert anymore. I th- I think he's just his goose is cooked. I think I I agree with you as much as I don't want to because that man is a legend to me. Oh, he is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, all respect, man. Like Marv Albert was my favorite commentator before Kevin. They brought on Kevin Harlan. That guy is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see Kevin Harlan more. <laughs> I just cannot. I Chris Weber was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, Reggie that's Miller as well. Line. Like <clears throat> Reggie yeah. Miller too. Yeah, it's like come on, man. Just bring Cheryl Miller back. She's like she she knows what she's doing. Oh yeah, Cheryl Miller's good. Um, but yeah, we'll just throw a little flower here for the gravestone that is the players only broadcast. <laughs> More like a dandelion or something. Some, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something useless. But we're all moving on from there. But here's an interesting one that came up this week. The NBA is opening up investigation regarding free agency rules after the massive free agency overhauls that we saw this summer. I mean, some we all know that below the table things have to happen here. I mean, there's no way. Uh, players can sign on to these multi-million dollar deals the hour that free agency happens. How and the NBA is going to go forth and actually do these investigations and modify the rules. I'm not sure, but this is interesting, <laughs> I guess. Bobby Portis actually came out and said it. Nobody really says these things, but he told The Athletic that the Knicks did reach out to him to set up a meeting five days full before the free agency period did begin. And again, like this is Man, stuff that admitting we, it. yeah, we all know probably happens, but for him to actually come out and admit it, I think, and for all these things to, to go down the way they did, I think it finally forced Adam Silver to at least go out there and say something about this, but he's going as far as saying he'll open an investigation regarding free agency. Yeah. This is just like, I don't know. It's a weird subject. Cause it's like, obviously every team has already talked with every free agent they want to talk to. Mm-hmm while the previous season was already going on, you know, like it's not like a big surprise. And it's like, you hear about guys like wanting to team up with other people, like at the trade deadline, like middle of the season, like Kyrie Irving's already talking to the nets, like while he's playing for the Celtics, like this is not new for anybody. I I mean, it's kind of like a prove that I didn't do this kind of thing, even though, you know, I did it. Yeah. It, it's really weird. And I mean, 
the punishment like is very vague i don't even know like what the punishment would be for tampering with this and you'd have to punish every single team i feel because everyone's everyone has some sort of weird tampering thing going on you can go all the way back to the clippers um being at like all the toronto Raptors games trying to recruit Kawhi leonard (laughs) um you can talk about magic johnson i mean every team is respond is in some way responsible except for maybe like the minnesota timberwolves who didn't do anything yeah like maybe they're the only team in the entire (laughs) nba that like didn't do something like before july 1st but other than that i mean yeah they got to do something if they want to do anything about it. Like they got to make it like very strict or they have to just not care at all. Right. And it's, and if you take that level of being strict, like how far do you actually push this? Because I mean, if you really want to enforce this and you got to be talking about go ahead getting into email servers, getting into potentially text <laughs> messages, maybe phone call records, like, because this is the way things are done, right? Like through text, me- through text messages, social media, Direct messages, I imagine. I doubt a lot of people still would do stuff like this over email, but it's certainly the phone call. Phone calls happen here and there. Uh, so I wonder if the NBA really wants to get that far with it and what the reaction from the players union and from the owners, what that would look like. I got to imagine the players union won't be too happy about having their players text messages and, and phone calls looked at. Oh, yeah. And I, I totally understand the viewpoint of like, you want to like establish integrity in the league, right? Like mm-hmm. you want you want everyone to follow the rules, so you want to enforce it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like it's, this is such a hard thing to monitor. Like like you said, like there's so many different things you'd have to like break, like see all the communications they have and like breach privacy and everything. Is it really worth it? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm all for integrity and everything, but like, it, like what else does this harm that like players? want to play for other teams or like teams want to reach out to other players like what is it really affecting at the end of the day yeah you could still have like you know your official signing day but you might as well just throw the total tampering thing out the window and you know just let just let thing let let people be the way we already know they are like it's obvious that you know Kawhi Leonard knew he was going to be a free agent this year and I think it's safe to assume that he was also well aware of who the teams were that were going to have that cap space, what moves they made at the deadline, what moves they made Mm -hmm. during the draft to get that cap space to potentially be able to speak with him. So to assume that he doesn't, that it took some tampering to get him to go to the Clippers or get him to talk to the Lakers and not talk to this team. I think that's, I think that is, that premise is, is wrong. And um, and because of that, I, I don't think there's really a need for tampering rules. Right. What I will say is that whole thing with Kawhi's uncle that came out about oh. how he was asking teams for like planes and houses or I don't I don't even remember what the article said exactly but stuff that is like strictly like against the rules to ask for like a t- ask a team for that might I don't know if that's different than the like usual tampering of like reaching out to a player and asking if they want to play for your team or like trying to recruit them I right. feel like in that case like Kawhi's uncle could seriously get in trouble because that seems like a way different like much more black and white thing than um all these other free agents yeah i think so too i think this this is obviously on the grounds of yeah more serious punishment in terms of that you're asking for additional value above what is defined by the salary cap so i mean you can make the argument that by getting a sponsorship deal then that's that's added to his salary which is right which is um basically 
over ruled over by the CBA. So you're over going, you're going over the CBA agreement. So I think in that terms, like that is breaking a rule here. And I think the NBA should look into that and should investigate. And I think should come down with some punishment if that is found. Um, And I mean, that's pretty bold for Kawhi's team. If these rumors do prove to be true and it would be devastating for the Clippers if somehow that gets connected back to them. Um, At this point, I think it's just a rumor uh, but if right. the NBA actually finds something, that'll be devastating. And there's only there's one example of that. And here's an example <laughs> way back in the 1990s. Joe Smith, the number one pick, was signing below the value contract with the Timberwolves in order in order because in order to save the owner money, save the team salary cap. But at the end of the day, he was promised an even greater contract and years later that would be paid below the un, below the table uh mm. so basically without this without salary cap hindrance right the nba yeah. got word of this <laughs> and they came down hard on the timberwolves with a 3.5 million dollar fine and also stripping the timberwolves of five first round picks and Oof. when you talk about the kevin garnett era and his legacy with the timberwolves this right here this is what actually sealed his fate and what his his journey with the Timberwolves was going to be like was basically just hanging on to a losing team. And this right here <laughs> was a big reason why the Timberwolves just struggled to get that team going. Wow, that's pretty crazy. It basically ruined their franchise. Yeah, essentially, yep. And This guy Joe Smith, I don't even remember him. I don't remember him either. There, there, there could have been. I mean, it kind of sounds like the name that you get for the on the <laughs> roster spot on NBA 2K when they yeah. just didn't want to pay any more licensing fees like the for anybody. Classic, like the classic homework problem example. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that too. But Joe Smith got Joe the Timberwolves Smith. in big trouble. So I think that's something the Clippers could be looking at potentially if this Snap. is found. We already lost like six first round picks in the trade. <laughs> yeah, so. We don't even have any more. So we'll see what comes out of this if all this even is even true, but. Moving on from that, also today, sticking with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were officially introduced. Steve Ballmer came out high energy, as to be expected. <laughs> Sean, I don't know if you got a chance to look at that at that press I introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I only got to watch like half of the press conference, but I definitely saw the introduction where Steve Ballmer was <laughs> just so fired up to have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard there. Yeah. Man, it, it feels good to have such an amazing owner, especially after having Donald Sterling for so many years. Man, like, we might have the best owner in the NBA right now. Like, this guy, man, he just bleeds clippers. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's all about it, and he's definitely got the wallet as well. Oh, as yeah. former CEO of Microsoft. <laughs> yep, that makes him a really good owner, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, besides Steve Ballmer, I think the biggest takeaway from me is I was surprised that Kawhi... I mean, we got a lot of questions answered, the big ones in terms of for basketball, the basketball reason questions in terms of health. And Kawhi Leonard says his goal is to play 82 games. It seems like he's over the hump of load management and non-back-to-backs. It seems like he's in it for the long run in terms of the regular season. And on the other side, Paul George looks like his injury was a little bit more serious than we thought. It looks like he's still not sure when he'll come back and be able to come return back to basketball activities. So that's CBD. But I mean, we still got two months, three months left until until we get really into the heat of the NBA season. So he's got time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. time is our friend right now. We need, we need all the time we can get. Um, it was really cool to hear Kawhi be so confident in his own health when mm-hmm. it seemed like he was dealing with what seemed to be a serious ankle injury during the playoffs that he was playing through. 
Um, and you'd think if he was playing through it, it might have been aggravated at some point during the playoffs, but it seems like he's good to go, and that's that's huge news for us because, I mean, if you are looking at Paul George being out for at least maybe the first few months of the season and working his way back into things, uh, if Kawhi Leonard's there to just help this regular season uh, and get the wins we need to make the playoffs, like that's all we really need. We just got to get there uh, mm-hmm. healthy. Um, so I, I still stand by what I was talking about last week where it's like, we don't really need Kawhi and Paul George to win basketball games, like to win every basketball game. We still have a great team. Right. Um, minus Danilo Gallinari, obviously minus Shea. We, we still have got some gamers, man, and we don't need them to play every game. Yeah. Uh, But this this is good that Kawhi feels as healthy as he does. Yeah, I guess that would be the I would say that would be the biggest X factor for this team is like just the health of these two superstars. So it looks like one is is ready to go and the other is still a question mark. So we'll see how that goes for them in terms of getting home court advantage for the playoffs. Um, how about this this rule change, potential rule mm. change, or one-year pilot? Is the NBA <laughs> allowing coaching challenges for the first time? Kind of like the NFL in a way. Sean, do you, do you know more about this? Oh, yeah, so th- this news broke about a, th- a few weeks ago, I think, actually, where they're going to test out uh, coaches being allowed to challenge plays that include out-of-bounds calls, fouls called on your own team, and goaltending calls. Mm. Um, or, or anything having to do with interference with the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is the coach has to call a timeout and says, I want to challenge the play. Um, they review the play. And then if the coach wins, they reward him his timeout back. And if they lose the challenge, then he loses the timeout, much like the NFL. Um, so I, I'm excited for this, honestly. I think this is a big step. I mean, the NBA has always been pretty progressive in the way that it allows its rules to kind of proceed with every passing year i feel like they really try to make the game as fair as possible and this is just another good move i think i i I think this is gonna make the games less about the refereeing Mm -hmm. um and more more about the actual gameplay which is good i mean there might be a few more stoppages in play which could annoy some people that want a more faster paced game they don't want to have to stop and look at review for a few minutes and i totally understand that too but at the end of the day you got to get the call right and yeah. as long as you don't see a lot of these challenges every game, I don't think you'll see very many of them every game. Maybe, maybe some coaches will get really challenge happy and just start like running with it, but I don't, th- I don't think it's going to slow down the game that much, and I think it's going to be welcome that players actually feel like, okay, like the right call was made, so I don't have to like have that in the back of my mind. Yeah, I think losing a timeout is actually a pretty hefty price here, and I don't see a reason for challenging place early in the game at least not in the regular season. Um, and in the fourth quarter, those timeouts are pretty valuable considering what the score might be. Uh, so I don't see them happening e- either very much. I am interested to see what that does for the pace of the game. Um, and I'd like to see, I think part of the hope here might be is to try to get rid of so many coaches just yelling and so many players yeah. yelling back at the refs. Cause now is an opportunity <laughs> to really put your money where your mouth is. You know, like if you're, if you're really upset about something, then go ahead and place that timeout as your, as your bet and challenge the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think fouls called on your team is going to be by far the most challenged play mm-hmm. uh, that, that coaches go for because yeah, you see the coaches yelling, like you're saying, the players yelling, well, you know what, Golden State, why don't you go ahead and lose all your timeouts <laughs> arguing on every call? Be yeah. my guest, please, yeah. please challenge those fouls because you know, you, you know, th- those were fouls, right? Yeah. There are some times where Draymond Green, 
I mean, and this isn't just Draymond Green. There's other players that do this as well. It's sort of become a habit in basketball, it seems, where you just try to argue every call, even though it's right. blatantly a foul. <laughs> it's blatantly Yeah, off. blatantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't get it. So I hope this kind of derails that a little bit, but we'll see. Um, it gives the ref such an easy out because it's like, oh, Draymond, you think you fouled? Challenge it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Tell your coach to challenge it. We'll see if you actually fouled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put it on the line, man. So easy. So easy for the refs. They don't have to sit there and listen to them yell. Yeah. So with this challenging call going to effect, do you see new assistant coach Tim Duncan of the San Antonio Spurs <laughs> challenging some of these calls? <laughs> yeah, right, dude. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I think this is pretty awesome, though. Tim Duncan joining on the Spurs as coaching staff. Uh, being servant to Greg Popovich after he was being servant to him for 19 years. And I think this is really cool, man. I, I, I liked him, Duncan, being a part of the NBA. He's, he's an icon in the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm interested to see, I think the immediate reaction is what impact will this have on LaMarcus Aldridge's game? Uh, will he basically serve as mentor to LaMarcus Aldridge, maybe Jakob Pertl, um, as and making these guys uh, learn from one of the all-time greats uh, at this at the same position, I, I feel like there's some potential there. Yeah, I'm always curious as to what a great player what he what his performance would be like as a coach because you don't really get a lot of the top some of the, these top 20 players of all time um, out on the coaching lane. So mm-hmm. to see Tim Duncan, who's arguably one of the best power forwards of all time, go out there and and try to try his try at this so we'll see how it goes i'm really curious but i don't really know i'm not sure what to expect out of this yeah it's just hard to say it's like players are good players but are they good coaches too like right. I, I don't know what tim duncan was like in the locker room and in the timeout huddles like i don't know if he was like commanding the plays or if it was tony parker every time i don't know it, it's hard to say um yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll have no impact at all. It's just just a fun fact. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how about let's just jump into free agency here and let's start off with the Utah Jazz. This Utah Jazz team really made some good moves. And I, I'm, I'm a little sad because after the playoffs, I officially declared myself off of this bandwagon. <laughs> and I kind of am curious to jump back on. But at the oh, same time, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it, man. The Lakers are no? good. I got to go full on Lakers. So you can't have a second team. I guess I could, but if they end up meeting each other, I'm going to be torn. No, you won't. You just vote for the Lakers. <laughs> That's true. It's like, I like watching the Lakers play, but I'm never going to root for them to beat the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, I guess you I guess you could say maybe I'll, I'll think about jumping on this Utah Jazz bandwagon. I, I am pretty tempted now, and it's all because of these, uh, well, combination of Bojan Bogdanovic and Mike Conley being Utah yes, Jazz and Boshan Bogdanovic, four years, $73 million. I like this deal. Mm. You finally get a true second score behind Donovan Mitchell. I mean, this is a dude average 18 points, 42% shooting from three on five attempts per game. I mean, this dude just, that's this is what he lives for, is putting the ball in the basket. I mean, he is 30 years old, and you're pairing him up with a 32-year-old Conley, 32-year-old Joe Ingles. Hey, <laughs> I mean, when you got to go for it, you got to go for it. You got a defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert, and you got Donovan Mitchell. The time is now. Yeah, man, trading in Derek Favors for Bogdanovich, that is such a big upgrade for the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Derek Favors, who is so one-dimensional, really didn't offer much more than like he was just kind of like a worse Rudy Gobert, shorter Rudy Gobert, didn't really do much for you. Mm-hmm. You you replace him with this stretch for 
who alongside Ingles, Conley, Donovan Mitchell, they finally have some firepower for yeah. this team that only had really Donovan Mitchell and barely Joe Ingles last year. Mm-hmm. This this is going to be a much more dynamic lineup, a much more exciting team to watch now with these additions. And, and I keep seeing these different YouTube videos, these different analysis pop up that all are talking about how the Jazz are their dark horse to win the West this this season because of one, the continuity they have, and two, just like the roster looks like it's ready to win now versus a lot of these dynamic duos that just formed might not be ready till next season uh, because they have to mesh together. That That's really the, argu- the, the pervading argument out there right now. I'm not sure I buy into that very much, but a lot of people like liking this Jazz team. I, I they, like it. They love the construction of it. Yeah, I like it, and I think the continuity argument is justified. I think that makes sense to me. But the firepower in the Western Conference in terms of star, superstars win. We know that. They win championships. They win conference titles even to that point, I think. So I still see this Jazz team better than last year. Second rounder. I think they're a dark horse and potentially maybe make the Western Conference Finals, but no way they win the West. I think, and if they do, I think it all... It's still in the hands of Donovan Mitchell if he can make that jump into superstardom. I think at this point, he's probably a top 20 player, but if he can break into top 10 conversation, I think then we're really talking. But without that superstar, I the Utah Jazz, I think, can't make that jump. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to. But, I mean, you look at what they could have as far as star power, right? Mm-hmm. Like Mike Conley... He is a star in his own right. Like, this man has been an underrated star in this league for as long as he's been in it. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the league. I'd say that makes him a star. Yeah. Would you? I, 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 Donovan- no, no, I think so, and I think that all means something. Like I said, I think it means enough to get this team into the second round, and it means enough to potentially get into the Western Conference Finals. But I still think they just need that extra scoring punch. They just need that superstar, which who I think could be. I think they have that guy on their roster. It's Donovan right, Mitchell. It could, but yeah, I just, could be him. But I just wonder if, if next year is his time or is he going to need a couple more years to really build into it? Or if he ever does. I think it's more likely that he eventually does. But I just wonder if it, if it is going to if next year is, is that moment for him. Yeah. I mean, he finally has the supporting cast, though, right? Like. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who, through his first year, he was kind of surprised, so he really snuck up on people, so he looked super good. And his second year, everyone knew what to expect, and the rest of the team really did not perform as they did two years ago. Like, Ricky Rubio just sucked. Joe Ingles took a step back. They really had nothing except Donovan Mitchell last year. Mm-hmm. And now he finally has a chance to actually move around freely without the defense focusing solely on him. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does with all that extra space. Like like you said, like he could be that superstar that they need to to win the West. Yeah. If he makes that jump, and I think, I mean, the stars are lighting up for him with Mike Conley, a, one of the best ball handlers in this league. Yeah. Uh, top point guard defender. I mean, it's there. The pieces are there. Look at the firepower from the three-point shooting. You got Mike Conley above average at 36%. <laughs> Joe Ingles well above average at 39 We talked about Bodanovic at 42%. I mean, that's elite level on five attempts per game. Rudy Gobert, your defensive anchor. And he's gotten slightly better on the offensive, offensive side. 
as mm-hmm. well. And then you also bring in Jeff Green on a one-year minimum. I mean, you're going yeah. to get the best value in the league. 12 points <laughs> per game on 47% shooting. I agree. He's a good He's a good punch. I think he's better than Jay Crowder. Um, so, like I said, everybody seems to be getting better. And if you're talking about something you might have lost in Derek Favors, maybe some rebounding, maybe some size, you easily make up for that, I think, with bringing on Ed Davis on also a yes. good value contract. Yeah, Ed Davis brings you what could potentially be close to a double-double machine off the bench. Mm-hmm. All this guy does is clean up the rim, get rebounds, fight down low. Like, he's a great backup to Rudy Gobert and um, at Bogdanovich if you need to go bigger at the right. four position. I think that was a great move to replace him, have him replace Derek Favors. And then, yeah, Jeff Green, man. I, I cannot believe this guy took a one-year minimum. He, he was a starter last year for the Wizards. 47% shooting is pretty good. Yeah. I just I don't understand what he's doing. I think he, he was playing for not very much money last year either. I think he's been on minimum deals for, like, way too long. This guy, he, he, he was a baller when he first started out with the Seattle Supersonics. It was him and Kevin Durant. They were both up-and-coming stars. And then you see Kevin Durant ascend and Jeff Green just like fade into mediocrity, even though he never got that bad. Yeah, and I don't I don't really know what's happened to this man's career. Feels like he could be so much more of a contributor on some of these teams he's been on before, but it just never works out. And his agent sucks. Yeah, I mean, he's he had some health complications through what would be his prime year. So that that kind of did derail his career a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Ever since the Cavs, I think, or even well before that, he's been on one-year minimums, and he's a he's a he's actually gotten slightly better every year on these minimum deals. But I think maybe he just wanted to be somewhere where he could win, um, and I think this is a great situation because I don't really think yeah. the Lakers or Clippers or any of these other contending teams were looking to add somebody like him. Oh, yeah, he, he's great for this team. I mean, a bench a bench threat. I mean, way better than Alec Burks, in my opinion. Yeah, I would way rather have Jeff Green. It's not like he's old either. Mm-hmm. Like he's thirty two years old, right? And he's he's basically like your Jay Crowder replacement here. Yeah, I I like man. They they have a great roster. They're gonna be much more fun to watch this year. They're yeah. gonna win a lot of regular season games for sure. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And I just hope that this team can get on national TV, man. This is a legit team. TNT. They're not gonna get ESPN, much. Dude. Can we get the Lakers these? are gonna have like seventy nationally <laughs> televised games, dude. And the Clippers are gonna have like sixty. Yeah, it's it's, it's ridiculous how much is gonna to skew towards LA, which yeah. sucks because we already get the local channels. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I want I want to see some Utah Jazz. I guess again another big reason why I should get NBA League Pass next yes. year um <laughs> yeah low-key advertising please sponsor us nba league pass <laughs> yeah. how about this the bucks letting go of malcolm brogdon um and indiana getting their hands on him on a four-year 85 million dollar deal so essentially the way i'm looking at it is they let bojan go and they bring in a slightly younger brogdon yeah. um slightly it kind of brings in a different game more of a ball handler smaller but he is part of the 50 40 90 club by 15 points a game so i think this is a tough loss for the bucks to lose him but for the pacers i think this is a great win it's a it's a value deal i think slightly well I think it's well, yeah. it's justified. It's justified. No, I think so. Yeah, I totally agree with you. This you could compare this to like Bradley Beal's contract almost. I mean, mm-hmm. Bradley Beal makes for 25 million. This guy makes 21 million. But Brogdon 
is elite in a lot of these categories. Like you're saying, right. 50, 40, 90. He really isn't that NBA seasoned yet, too. Like yeah. he came into the league pretty old, one rookie of the year. And now he's just, he's been balling out ever since. And he had to take a backseat to Bledsoe in Milwaukee, but now he's going to get to be paired with Victor Odalipo in Indiana in what could be one of the most dynamic backcourts in the NBA. These, these two guys, man, they're like kind of the underrated stars. Yeah. And they're both going to get to play together. And honestly, this is a great fit. I think you have to let Boyan go to bring in Brogdon. I, I would totally do that also. This yeah. guy is younger. He He's more athletic. He brings a lot to this team that I don't even know who they're... I guess, yeah, they had Derek Collison retire. And that, <laughs> that was who all the people... Yeah, or he retired at 30. And yeah, this this they had to bring in more backcourt help and they got it with this guy. Right, and I, I like this. I think this is a good tr- trade-off for both teams. I mean, Bojan gives the Jazz what they needed and Brogdon gives Pacers just a better fit in terms of like a younger Brogdon, four-year deal. So he'll be there for a year and then he'll be ready once Odalipo is is primed and healthy and ready to really attack the Eastern Mm -hmm. Conference two years from, or not this year, but the year after that. Um, So I think it's a good deal. And on top of that, they bring in Jeremy Lamb, three years, 31 million. Not not too bad, I think. I think it's it's just it's another justifiable a solid pickup. Yeah. yeah, like Jeremy Lamb was arguably the Hornets' second best player last year. Not mm-hmm. that that matters very <laughs> much, but like he he could score sometimes. You know, like yeah. he's just gonna play off the bench, whatever. And then and then your boy T.J. McConnell <laughs> getting that value deal, Man. two years, seven million. That's, that's would you rather value. have Rondo or TJ McConnell right oh, now? Oh, <laughs> I would wait rather take TJ McConnell. But at the same time, though, I feel like if it wasn't for Rondo, we might not have DeMarcus Cousins. So I'll accept that trade off. Okay. okay, yeah. But I, I wouldn't the, mind the having TJ picture. Mc- yeah, TJ McConnell's good. He's a good, solid he ball is. handler. He's yeah, scrappy. Man. A three at that deal, that's a good deal. He's got a great basketball IQ. Yeah, and he's scrappy. Like I said, he's a good guy. <laughs> he he's a good guy to have off your yeah, bench. I know. Yeah, you have TJ McCall, Jeremy Lamb backing up Brogdon and Odalipo. That's a that's a great little uh, tandem in the off, the off the bench for these guys. Yeah, I mean this team might just be in be the fourth seed or fifth seed again with this with this roster, just because with Toronto falling off and. Well, who knows? Maybe they just so do just is, as is good. Odie coming back at the beginning of the year, or is he still got to rest more? I think he's still got some more time. Dang! Um, I bet we won't see him until the spring. Wow! That oh wow! I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad injury. Jeez. Oh, okay, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, the Pacers will probably still make the playoffs. I, I don't, actually, I don't even know. I think they're that's, still a playoff that's team. Tough. I mean, you don't they don't have Thaddeus Young anymore. Right, they still. Yeah, gonna, Ma- I mean, you still have Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis. Yeah, yeah, you have those guys, I and mean, they made some good pickups. That, yeah, it'll be tough though. Brogdon, man, he's gonna have a chance to shine then, huh? Right. I wonder if he can touch uh, twenty points. Oh, he definitely could. He's getting fifteen a game, being like third or fourth option on the Bucks. I can definitely see him getting up to twenty. Who do Who do you think scores more points between him and Terry Rozier? Oh man, I'm, I want to say Brogdon because Brogdon. I think Zabonis and Miles Turner's are good enough to command some attention, and 
Look at Brogdon. He's dude. This dude's shooting forty percent from three, ninety yeah. percent from the free. Terry Rozier's regular <laughs> field goal percentage isn't even at forty <laughs> percent. That's true, dude. He's Brogdon, like a thirty. I mean, it's gonna be hard for Brogdon to match that if he's if his volume increases a lot though. Right. I don't think he'll be 50, 40, 90, but I mean, he can still, I mean, 90, he can keep being shooting 90. Yeah, I think but, he can still keep, yeah. I think he could keep shooting 48%, 38% okay. from three. Yeah, yeah I think he, I th- yeah, I think he'll, he'll average more than, than, uh, Rozier. Yeah. No, this is exciting for this young guy. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Like kind of running the show for a while. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. How about the Bucks landing Kyle Korver, the old man Korver, one of the last <laughs> remaining from the 2003 draft alongside LeBron James? Yeah, the remaining two. Yeah, I feel bad for this Bucks team because I think they'll still be number, they'll still be a top team. But I, like I said, I think the 76ers are taking it, and they they losing Brogdon is big, and that yeah. big contract to Middleton, and all you got to show for it other than that is bringing Kyle Korver. Well, I guess you also signed <laughs> Brooke Lopez. Yeah, there, there's the uh, prospect, though, that bringing in Kyle Korver could also act as a three-point shooting coach for Giannis. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you see that video? You see that video of Kyle Korver teaching Giannis how to shoot? I did not see that video. Yeah, yeah, he's already, he's already trying to teach him the ropes. Uh, if Giannis can develop some sort of, like, slightly above-average three-point shot, it's game over for the league, man. <laughs> that guy's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that'd be crazy. I, does it happen next year? I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen next year. And if Corver's got to uh, be your shooting coach. He's working co- hard. <laughs> <laughs> if Corver's got to be your shooting coach, come on, Bucks. Come on, man. Get off the cheap train. Hire some <laughs> shooting coaches. Hey, man. Kyle Corver could be one of the, one of the premier shooting coaches in, in the entire USA. You don't know. That's like, true. It's like, yeah, he can That's shoot true. it well. He knows how to shoot it. Like, maybe... He becomes a three-point coach after he retires. That's true, but essentially he's like the intern right now then. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Okay. The intern that gets to play in the games, though. <laughs> All right. How about J.J. Reddick signing with the Pelicans? Two years, $26.5 million. Ooh. Get paid, J.J., get paid. Man, shooting That's a pays. good contract for this man. Yeah, <laughs> shooting pays. You're so right. This was one of the weirdest day one signings. I think maybe the weirdest of yeah. all of them. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I think everyone thought that JJ Redick would want to come back to Philadelphia and run it back again after you're only four bounces away from making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. And yeah, the Sixers, like we mentioned last week, they just lack shooting. Yeah. And he would instantly fix that. But now, now <laughs> he's repping the Pelicans with Lonzo Ball, Zion, and company in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it was that convinced him to sign. I mean, I think he's going to say youth, this and that. Ultimately, I think it's going to be this. This two-year $26.5 million. Mm-hmm. Maybe nobody really was willing to offer him more than that. I mean, this is a big payday as it is. Um, right. But his ta- – I mean, shooting pays in this league. You need shooters and I, I would <laughs> – I mean, the Lakers probably could have offered. Well, I guess you got Danny Green, but yeah, you just wear up Danny Green. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this guy JJ Reddick just wanted a good payday, and he got it with the Pelicans. And yeah. I'm not sure why the 76ers wouldn't aggressively match this. I mean, maybe something else they, went down. I mean, they're bringing in Al Horford for $109 million. There's no way they could have matched this. Well, yeah. Don't take, don't bring in Al Horford. That's, <laughs> and, and that, that's, that's bad. That's bad. 
keep keep JJ Reddick, man. Run it again. Don't bring Horford, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, man. JJ on the Pelicans is interesting because he actually brings a veteran presence to this team that is like pretty much a bunch of young 20-year-olds mm-hmm. or or less even. Zion Williamson and I think Jackson Hayes both teenagers still. Right. I mean, um, yeah. I don't think Lonzo's even 21 yet. Or he's, he might not. He might have just turned 21. And Brandon Ingram's 21 now. Right. Josh Hart, maybe also 21. <laughs> <laughs> like, this whole team is super young. And you go, yeah, JJ Reggs just going to have to play babysitter for these guys, which doesn't really sound very appealing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the tune of $13 million a year, maybe, maybe that's enough to cover babysitting fees. <laughs> exactly. How about Derrick Rose staying with staying in this league with a two-year, fifteen million dollar deal with the Detroit Pistons? Man, the Pistons still just hanging on here, making some moves, convincing Markeith Morris to also sign on to their squad with a one-year deal. Now about Christian Wood, who's Christian Wood? Sean, do you know uh, who this guy I is? Mean, <laughs> he's not. I mean, I saw that they signed him. I thought it was a pretty interesting signing because a lot of guys. So, like at the end of the season, Christian Wood got minutes because Anthony Davis refused to play for the team anymore. <laughs> He had some good stat lines, nothing like consistent, but he had some potential. Uh, the the main thing here, though, is I think the Pistons did a lot with nothing. They <laughs> they had literally nothing going into this offseason. They're completely over the cap already with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond's contracts and some other random guys that probably don't deserve to get paid very much money in the NBA. But you are able to get Derrick Rose, who, I mean, he had a pretty great season, all things considered, last year. You give this guy a chance to play, and man, I'm happy for Derrick Rose, too. Get, getting a two-year, $15 million deal for this guy after all he's been through, that's great. Like, I'm so stoked for Derrick Rose. And on the Pistons yeah. side, it's like, what do you have to lose, right? Like, you don't have anything to lose bringing in Derrick Rose. All he can do is improve your team. If he can become anything like 50% of the all-star that he was back when he was playing for the bulls. Like that's all you really want from him. Yeah, I agree. Interesting to see what that dynamic brings with Reggie Jackson. And maybe they can, maybe this is just enough to really get them going and get that really get that eight seed. And this time actually get there healthy and maybe win a game or two. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're definitely yeah like kind of in the same boat as the Miami heat, right? Like they Mm -hmm. just, they're just stuck in purgatory until Jimmy Butler's contract's over, till Blake Griffin's contract's over. Yeah, Reggie, like Reggie Jackson's still being paid. Yeah, Reggie Jackson's getting like $18 million a year. That's- I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Rose ends up overtaking him for the starting job at some point in the season. Yeah, that's a dynamic that's going to be interesting, and maybe they just bring him on just to hopefully get Reggie Jackson going. Like, man, could go out there and just make a big swing this year or something. Yeah, yeah, Reggie Jackson had a lot of potential, right? Like two years ago, yeah. I feel like we we're talking about him. Like, wow, like this guy has shown great flashes, but he does look like kind of a doofus. Like, <laughs> not not like how he looks, but like he seems like he has that doofus mentality sometimes. It, it's hard to tell if he's like actually serious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could see that. How about Isaiah Thomas keeping his name in the league with another one-year deal? He never quite became oh. the X Factor that we thought he could have been for the Denver Nuggets, but he's back. That you he's thought he Washington. could have been. <laughs> right. I guess I was the only one. I believed in my man and my boy, but, man, I just don't see it happening even here in Washington. 
I think this is like one of the last few contracts we're going to see Isaiah Thomas walk away with. But I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind. I won't, I won't tell, I won't criticize somebody for getting their money. You know, if somebody's willing to pay you, go get it. Isaiah Thomas is doing that here (laughs) in Washington. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Thomas actually has a chance to do something here if if he can actually play yeah it's hard to know if he's actually going to get on the floor because it seems like when he did get on the floor in denver he just wasn't ready right. so if he can have like a summer where he's like okay I, i'm ready to go like i've been training all summer conditioning there's no one else to play point guard in washington right now john wall out for the rest of this year maybe the rest of his career i don't know <laughs> tomas sodoransky he would have had the starting job, but he's gone to Chicago. Ish Smith is the only other real point guard on this roster. And if Isaiah Thomas cannot be Ish Smith out for this starting job, it, that then he's not beating out anybody. <laughs> then he's officially done. He's officially done. But, like, he has this chance. Like, there is no better team that would give him more chance to, like, revitalize his career than Washington right now. He will get, he will get that start, those starting minutes if he can handle them. Yeah, what a mutual find here because it looks like with Washington bringing him on, it almost looks like Washington is just throwing this season as a wash. Seeing what it's kind of oh, like that's that's a random throw at the dartboard. Yeah, you know? like whatever happens happens at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if Isaiah Thomas can be uh, the Isaiah Thomas of the Celtics alongside Bradley Beal, this team could be really cool. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it, I want to dream, man. Like, I want to think that he's gonna like come back and be the player he was and like defy all odds. It's just it's so hard to picture. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's more likely that not. So, unfortunately, but we'll see how it plays out. The opportunity will definitely be there. But how about the Orlando Magic? I think I didn't really know what to think of this signing when it happened. But Vucevic <laughs> signing for four years, one hundred million dollars. Bucks. I knew it was in the in the realm of possibility. I feel like we talked about it a lot throughout the year. Whether we you would give this man that this much money, and at times it seemed like I wanted to say yes for some reason. Yeah. But now that it happened, I'm like, wow, this is bad <laughs> for the Lando Magic. This is bad value. Oh. And then and here here are my reasons why. For one. I mean, he's essentially paid the same as the contract that Julius Randle signed in New York, but it's longer, and this guy Mm -hmm. is older, and he's more (laughs) injury-prone in that he's only played more than 75 games twice in his eight-year career. And, I mean, he's he played more games this year than ever, last year than ever, but, I mean, the number of games he played was significantly higher than any of the other seasons he's had except for the other one where he crossed 75 games. So you're essentially bringing an injury-prone, older Julius Randle-type player on your team. <laughs> He's better than Julius Randle, dude. Yeah, maybe last year, but at the same time, you're also hindering the growth of your youth that you have on this roster. I'm talking about Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, or Aaron Gordon. Like, I mean, you could only run with this guy for a couple more years, maybe, if he's healthy. And at the same time, does that... you? Does it, do you get over the hump here, and do you actually get to the playoffs consistently? Yeah, the the thing that you bring up, that I think that's the best point, is what what are you gonna do with Mo Bamba? <laughs> your 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 top was it five or six draft pick from last year, mm-hmm. and you, you're not gonna do anything with him again. Is he just gonna back up again? Right. You can't play him and Vucevic together. 
you can you can play him with Aaron Gordon, like another one of your young guys. You can play him with Jonathan Isaac, but Vucevic is going to eat up all the starter minutes. Yeah, Bamba is just going to be left like wondering, like, man, like, am I worth anything anymore? Like, why did this team draft me? They already have so much center power. Right. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. But ah, at the same time, if you're the Magic, it's like, who else are you going to use your money on, you know? <laughs> it's kind of the Chris Middleton effect where it's like, we have $100 million. Or like, we have, like, what, 30, like a f- max space, basically, to sign a superstar free agent. But nobody's going to sign with us. Yeah. So who are the best players we can get? Well, I guess Vucevic likes us, so we bring him back. I guess Terrence Ross likes being like a potential six man of the year player for us because he's definitely not getting that type of uh, potential to play this many minutes anywhere else. <laughs> so you bring him on for, I think, that's also a bad value. Four years, $54 million for Terrence Ross at this point in his career. That, yeah, they've just handicapped themselves for the next four years. Yeah. Like, yeah, fringe playoff team again. Yeah. Just, just like the Pistons. Right, and it's it's interesting, and especially that point of, like, you're hindering your internal growth uh, for really for what? To fight for the eighth seed again and maybe, yeah. and you know, pay into the luxury tax potentially if you want to keep improving this team. What are you going to do when you have to start extending some of these guys? So right, we'll see what's gonna happen it's, with it's this tough, franchise. Man. If, yeah, if you're if you're Orlando, what else do you do? You right. know, like who else are you gonna bring in? They they probably just didn't have any options. I'm sure I'm sure they looked around and asked around. I was like, hey, like you want to play with Aaron Gordon? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so they did what they could. Yeah, and I'm sure the franchise and the fan base is tired of losing. I mean, the Orlando Magic have just been a stink fest. For the last decade here. Yeah, just snore fest too, man. Like, there's just nothing exciting about this team. Right. Another, eh, I'll say it's okay. It's <laughs> Sun signing Ricky Rubio to three years, $51 million. I mean, it's not horrendous. It's not that bad. You're not really holding back your franchise, I think, with this deal. But it is kind of like it shows your desperation to get a Mm -hmm. decent point guard. And the fact that there really was nobody out there that was willing to come to you. So you got to go out there and overpay a 30-year-old Ricky Rubio who didn't (laughs) really have a great season last year. So, But, I mean, I guess you did get Kelly Oubre Jr. at two years and $30 And at 23, I think Kelly Oubre Jr. is one of these players who has a good chance to outperform his contract, but also has a good chance to just kind of, um, just kind of lay at the same level. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I think you're looking at a team that won 19 games last year to potentially maybe winning 30. Uh, I mean, that's generous, honestly. <laughs> I, I think that is truly generous. If you look at the the teams that they have to play in the West, true, like the Lakers four times, the Clippers <clears throat> four times, the Warriors four times. They're not gonna win thirty games, in my opinion. That's a little a little uh, sample of what's to come in our in our uh, division previews uh, later this summer. Yeah, better better tune in. But man, Ricky, this deal that Ricky Rubio got was based on how he performed two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like last year, he stunk. He was not very good at all. <laughs> the The Phoenix Suns are looking at this guy like, wow, he did good two years ago. It's like, you forgot he didn't even do anything last year worth mentioning. And now you're going to pay him $17 million a year. You've locked yourself into another bad point guard deal. Yeah. With no, with no potential to, for him to get better than he was two years ago, for sure. Mm. 
and he's just not going to perform that well, honestly. Like, this team is not built the same way. I He w- didn't really find much success before on a different scheme. I really think he only succeeded because of the Jazz's system. I I do not think this move helps them at all. Yeah. I'm be real. Are you going to... So, so you think they win 19 games again? Yeah. They could win less even. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. They got about... They're like maybe marginally better than they were last year, but every other team in the West got way better except for the Timberwolves. You could argue the Pelicans, but like probably not. (laughs) And OKC, who's still way better than this team. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, like OKC is a team that will win 30 games. This team will not even touch. They will not even get close. Wow, I think we got to make a bet on this, but I feel like we'll save it for the division previews when we'll we say, get a better yeah, idea we'll, of the we'll rosters. Till, yeah, everything's hashed out. We're almost towards the beginning of the season. But, like, Devin Booker does not have that much more... Uh, whatever. No, I guess, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I, I think a little piece of it, I think I'm I'm banking that I think there's going to be some growth from DeAndre Aiden uh, to get this team over the hump a little bit, but... Well, the, the you bring a good point though. Being in the Pacific Division, you're seeing all these good teams four times a year for yeah. sure. So uh, it's tough. But how about the Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks bringing on Seth Curry, four years, thirty-two million dollars. Again, shooting pays, man, because Seth Curry, mm-hmm. that's what he brings to the table. Forty-five percent shooting, three-point yep. shooter. This is it. I mean, he made some big plays for the Portland Trailblazers during the playoffs, and I think that helped a lot. So because mm-hmm. of that and the 45% shooting and the way the NBA is played, I think I'm going to call this, you know, pretty fair deal. Yeah, no, this is a pretty good deal for Dallas. I mean, $8 million a year is not – that's nothing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you, you can totally afford that. And this guy's going to come off the bench. He's going to give you all the three-point shooting you could ever ask for. He might even play some clutch minutes, just like we, we saw in the playoffs. He can definitely do that. He can perform – when he needs to and for Dallas I think this is just huge for them because they were ranked 27th in the league last year from three so this has got to at least put them into like the average range <laughs> yeah at least a 50 percentile <laughs> yeah like this this is a that's a huge signing for them they got the, one of the best three-point shooters in the league yeah okay okay I see that yeah at eight million you're right not too bad how about the Denver Nuggets making a trade for Jeremiah Grant giving up 2020 first rounder getting this guy on this on this team I think this was a great deal man the Nuggets are just so sneaky good man Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I mean this is a dude who's shooting almost 50% and 40% from three as a power forward and also a guy who's athletic enough to chase guards at the three spot He's averaging 13 points, and he's only 24 years old, and you still have him for two more years on this on the type of deal that he is under $10 million a year. It's yeah. great all around. I would way rather have Jeremy Grant than whatever 2020 first rounder is going to be for the Nuggets, right. which is probably going to be like 25th through 30th, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd way rather have Jeremy Grant for a few years and then be able to retain him after that. I mean, this this guy was one of the very few bright spots, really, that OKC had last year as far as players outside of Russell Westbrook and Paul George, who you could argue that Russell Westbrook wasn't even a bright spot at points. <laughs> um, and this, man, Denver just keeps getting deeper and deeper, man. Like, their bench might contend with the Hornets starting lineup <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it's like not even an exaggeration. No, you're you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. 
between Monty Morris, uh, who who else you got coming off the bench there? Like, I think I think even uh, you might have Grant coming off the bench. Yeah, like Grant, Mason Plumley. Like this this team could probably beat the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> and then you you can even count in Michael Porter Jr., who I mean. That guy might as well just be in a bubble suit. I don't. I don't even think this guy's gonna be able to play a game this year because he came out in that first G League game and got hurt again, and then he was out for the rest of the summer league. Uh, was what I meant to say. Oh man, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was like all these reports is like Michael Porter Jr. is gonna come out in the summer league and he's gonna have no restrictions. Michael Porter Jr. gets injured in his first summer league game and is out for the rest of it. And it's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> we're all waiting. And then, yeah, so you got him and Bull Bull in the back on the mend. Like, if those guys can become anything close to their potential, like, this Denver Nuggets team is just going to be absurd for the next 10 years. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what Grant brings off the bench. This is going to be a low-key big grab. I mean, who knows? Maybe at times you start him over Paul Millsap. Uh, just to become a little Maybe, bit, a little yeah. bit more athletic, and have like a little bit, a quicker stretch four at the, uh, out there on the lineup. So we'll see how yeah. it goes. Great move. How about Anthony Bennett getting a second chance on a one-year <laughs> deal with the Houston Rockets? This is a dude who kind of actually lit up the G League last year. Yeah, a little bit. Forty-two percent from three last season in the G League. Granted, it's the G League, mm-hmm. but. Dude, he's showing that he wants to continue playing this sport, continue trying to get back into the pros, and he's done it. It'll be interesting to see what kind of role he can carve out with the Rockets. I'm not sure it'll be much of one. He might get some spot minutes here or there, deep bench, maybe get some garbage time. But he's going to get a chance to play, and I think for him that means everything. I I think it's cool that the Rockets are giving him this chance. It's not like they were really going to sign anybody else Mm -hmm. that could contribute much more. You might as well take a flyer on this guy who's showing that like he has the passion for the sport. He's been working hard to get back to that game that everyone thought that he could get to. And Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see him play a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets revitalized... um Austin Rivers' career, Gerald Green's oh, career, because yeah. <laughs> those guys looked like they were—they could have seen the, their way out of the league, but they were True. back and they got big minutes for this Houston Rockets team. And another signing that, that I think they did today was bringing Ben McLemore onto the roster That's as right. well. Yeah, another former lottery pick who also had high expectations but didn't quite meet them. Um, he's also kind of had some minor success in some leagues out here, so. We'll see what he also brings to the Houston Rockets. It seems like they're just throwing darts at the dartboard <laughs> at this point. Well, hopefully. Yeah, it's like <laughs> they have the big three, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they have Russ, Harden, Capella. Let's just see <laughs> what what fits around them. Right. And so let's talk about who had the worst offseason. Of course, I think everybody's picking <laughs> the same team. But here we're talking about the New York Knicks. And I think, like, I mean, some a little bright spot in my eyes is Julius Randle, three years, $63 million at $21 million a year. Julius Randle gets his money, the money he's been looking for. He's 24 years old, 21 points. I think he could be a double-double machine. But outside of that, there's not much to celebrate about here. And even the Julius Randle signing, it's like, it's fair. No, it's the fair. New York Knicks <laughs> didn't really win anything here by bringing him on in terms of value. It's just the way it happened was what made it so bad. Mm-hmm. On day one, it's like all these free agents gone. New York Knicks, Julius Randle. We had <laughs> t- they had two max spots. You get Julius Randle as your big signing of the offseason. Yeah. And if we're talking about if we're talking about teams that aren't gonna win any more games than they did last year, 
and this team might set a record. Let's run through the rest of these terrible moves they made to follow up Julius Randle. <laughs> you know what? Okay, we just got a power forward. All right, what do we need? How about another power forward? Let's get Taj Gibson <laughs> for two years, $20 million. They can't play together on the court together, but, you know, he'll be a great backup. But you know what? I think we're missing maybe another power forward. Let's go ahead and grab Marcus Morris for one year, $15 million. <laughs> And you know what? Maybe we just play three power forwards in our starting lineup at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't understand how Tosh Gibson still commands this much cash. Like two he years, had, 20 he had a million. decent year with the Timberwolves. I don't, I, don't I know, just am man. never a believer of like paying a guy for what he contributed before. I mean, you take into that account. I think at a certain point, but for a guy like Tosh Gibson, you start you got to start taking into account where he is and where he's gonna go. <laughs> It's just like it's just funny. One like I feel like Taj Gibson's gonna be the guy that doesn't get any minutes out of these three. Right. Randall's gonna get his thirty. Mar- Morris is gonna get like twenty twenty five. Taj Gibson is like here's no point. But he's like useless. Useless. Yeah, but at ten million dollars, you gotta whoever you're giving that much money to has to at least be playing like fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, you would think, but the Lakers signed Luol Deng. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then you get yeah. Alfred Payson here, a guy who was formerly traded for just a second rounder, getting two <laughs> years, sixteen million. Wow! Yeah, coming off big time injuries, could not stay healthy to save his life. Right. And you get Wayne Ellington, who got bought out by the Heat because they had no use for him last year. Went to the Pistons and did nothing. You pay him two years, sixteen million, and then you get every Lakers fan's favorite player, <laughs> Reggie Bullock. Who just had surgery? <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm confused with the commitment for more than a year to guys like Peyton and Ellington, and I mean Reggie Bullock. I guess it seemed like the free agent market really dried up on the Knicks, so you kind of just had to make a move here for a score. So that's the guy you bring in. This is yeah, it's unprecedented. Like how bad they handled free agency. <laughs> you're the New York Knicks. You're you are the most valuable franchise in the NBA. Yeah. I thought like they're still more valuable than the Lakers, still more valuable than the Warriors. It's it's surprising as well. How man? How how is this possible? How can they be worth so much money when they are literally the worst? <laughs> it's funny, especially when you look at it this way. Where our honorable mention for for worst free agency alongside the Knicks. It's the Sacramento Kings. But then again, they're in Sacramento. I don't I think most people forget that Sacramento has an NBA team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess including the NBA players, but yeah, I had to throw them in here because in Harrison Barnes. <laughs> Harrison Barnes' agent is the best. He's better than Rich Paul. Because there's Rich Paul could not even pull off giving Harrison Barnes another four-year contract for $85 million. Harrison Barnes versus Malcolm Brogdon? Are you kidding me? You you put Harrison Barnes in the same category as Malcolm Brogdon? This guy is terrible. He offered nothing to the Kings. They got him at the trade deadline. Their team got worse. <laughs> they got they fell out of playoff contention after the trade deadline because Harrison Barnes was part of the team. They lost Iman Shumpert, who actually could contribute something. And now you bring him in for another four years now. He's just gonna. He's just not very good. You did not improve by bringing this man in for another twenty-one million dollars. And you can make the argument, I guess. Yeah, they couldn't bring in anyone else. Yeah, Harrison Barnes is gonna go. He's gonna look back on his NBA career with a big smile. He became a champion, <laughs> you know. So he did that, and then he just got. He kept getting paid well into his thirties. Right. 
uh, yeah. somehow. I mean, he obviously had to live in Sacramento, but that's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not bad up there. I mean, yeah, you know. But, yeah, these other moves, I think, is what really highlights what made the like the Kings just seem like a ghost to a lot of these uh, free agents. It's, like, it just didn't seem like they were really a player for any notable players pieces i mean trevor reza is in the twilight of his career this is a man you pay two years 25 million dollars to you're gonna pay this man 12 and a half million a year he's so old he proved last year he's just not worth it anymore you know <laughs> the houston rockets days are over for this guy yeah and then dwayne deadman dwayne deadman three years 40 million for dwayne deadman it's just a backup center. You're paying a backup center thirteen million a year. Yeah, I, I, I might as you might as well have just tried to keep Collie Stein here or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, Collie Stein took like two years, eight million from the Warriors or something ridiculous. Right. And then just to top it all off, Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph, <laughs> perennial backup point guard, three years, thirty-seven million. I Corey Joseph. I see the potential in Corey this? Joseph a little bit. Oh, you see bit. the potential in Corey Joseph? What has he shown? <laughs> no, Corey Joseph is kind of like Ben McLemore a little bit and kind of like... Um, oh, that's a great comparison. <laughs> kind of like, um, what's this other guy's name? What's his name? Was it not Wesley Matt? No, not Wesley. Who? Uh, Wesley Johnson. Give me another hint Wesley Johnson. Oh, Wesley Johnson. Played for the Clippers and the Lakers. Oh, God. Yeah. Just one of these... That's a... Bad comparison, Just man. like these guys who look like they have the pieces to be a great NBA player. Like, they're athletic, uh, they're long, got great height. But for whatever reason, they just cannot connect it, and they cannot keep a spot in the NBA. Or they just end up sort of, you know, being part of that journeyman mold. And Corey Joseph is one of those guys to me. I just... it It's baffling man the, the, what are they paying between all these bench guys they're almost paying them what is that almost a hundred million dollars more than a hundred million dollars <laughs> to those three players that's not even including Harrison Barnes I don't what I don't understand is I get you got you got the cap space to sign some of these guys but why commit more than two years because what are you gonna do when you gotta when you what, when you gotta reap when you gotta re- extend buddy heel and deer and Fox and some of your real <laughs> Yeah, Marvin, Marvin Bagley. Bagley. Yeah. Some of th- yeah, like De'Aaron Fox's contract's gonna be up in what a year? Right. Same with Buddy Heald. Like, you know, like how are you gonna pay these guys when you're paying Dwayne Deadman seventeen million a year? Yeah, that tells me that Divock is willing to go into the tax, well into the tax, to maintain his young players and yeah, also this and core. to keep a mediocre bench. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, man, it makes no sense at all. And like you, can, you're not even including guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich that are gonna want to get paid right. at some point. Like these are core pieces. You can't afford to be paying your bench this much money. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna make a bad signing, maybe make one. <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, sign Harrison Barnes. Fine. Get someone way better than this bench, man. Like, this is just sad. Right. And who's to say that Trevor Reese is even going to be happy with this t- being on this roster when you got Bogdanovic, you got Darren Fox, Buddy Hill. You got some good pieces that would be better to get the, for them to get those yeah, minutes. Tre- Trevor Reese is almost just there to be like a locker room guy. Right. Which, I don't, is he even that good of a locker room guy? <laughs> He's like an old guy. Does that make him a locker room guy? I don't know. Right. And then we've never s- seen him win a sportsmanship award or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll see the fate of the Kings. But some players to watch here is Andre Iguodala, who we're still not sure whether he'd be traded or bought out. But you know the Lakers are saving their one roster spot <laughs> for the potential that he could fill that in. And Sean Livingston, he talked about retiring, but maybe retirement is going to be forced upon him as he's still unsigned. And guess who else is still un- unsigned? Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Ralph. Howard. And J.R. Smith. Oh, and J.R. Smith. <laughs> Man, I really don't think Melo or J.R. Smith are going to get a contract. What about Dwight Howard? I think he'll get a contract. You think so? Yeah, but not but not J.R. Carmelo. I think their time is done. Yeah, I could see that. I think J.R. maybe yeah. if somebody gets injured, they'll... Maybe, they'll yeah, like him. a yeah, desperation play. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do think Sean Livingston might just end up retiring. I don't know who's who's even looking at him. I, I, I haven't even seen rumors of like who's even interested in bringing him on. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're some of the bad teams, might not. But I think if like, again, if an injury falls here and there and somebody needs an extra ball handler, I guess you bring him on. Not sure what, who that <laughs> team would be. Uh, dare I say yeah, the no Lakers? I, I do hope not, not the Lakers. It may, kind of makes sons. sense, but... <laughs> Don't bring him on. Let's talk about the worst signing, though, the free agency. (laughs) And here's my pick. And you tell me if you agree with it, Sean, and if you got somebody else in mind. But for me, it's the Al Harford deal. Four years, $109 million, (laughs) around $27 million per year. Now, I get it. It kind of makes sense. You got a near seven-footer who can shoot 36% from three, 82% from the free throw line, 53 from the field overall last year. 13 points, <laughs> 9 rebounds. These are great numbers, but guess what? Like I said, I don't think guys should be paid based off what they did the year before, especially when you're 33 years old and you're expected <laughs> to play this man $27 million all the way up until he's 37. At that point, I don't think you pay for what he did the year before. You pay for what you think he could do now and a year from now mm-hmm. and two years from now. I mean, look at the list of the guys who are right now 37. Vince Carter, Dwayne Wade, Kyle Korver, Pal Gasol. None of these guys are commanding <laughs> anything close to $20 million a year. But Al Horford is going to get paid that much money. I mean, I think at this point, the only way I can justify it is somehow Al Horford was able to bully the 76ers into committing <laughs> to four years to get his services just for this year. And maybe it's justified, maybe not. Maybe it's a desperation move to really get themselves into the NBA Finals. And will it be enough? I don't think so. I think it's enough to get to the Finals, but I don't think it's enough to win the whole thing. Uh, But I'm calling this the worst free agency signing of the year. (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting. I, I, I guarantee you might, you're very, in a very small minority of people that call this the worst signing. Because there, there are some bad signings. And a lot, and Al Horford is a good player. Yeah. And I think you are looking at it in the long term, right. which I think you have to like two years down the road, are the Philadelphia 76ers going to be hampered being like, well, shoot, we have, we have Simmons and Embiid and Tobias, but we can't put anything around them because the rest of our money is going to Al Horford. Yeah. That's exactly the situation they're going to end up. And it's going to be so hard to improve the little pieces of this roster, like the bench and your three spot. Yeah. Um, and they'll be paying, Luxury tax. Oh, yeah. This team will be well into the luxury tax for the next couple of years and potentially looking at the repeater tax as well, all to keep this core intact. But 
I'm really curious, oh, Sean, to hear what like your you worst it. free agency signing of this year I'll is. I'll give you a hint. We talked about him on this podcast not too long ago. No, no, no. <laughs> Harrison Barnes. Terry Harrison Barnes. I I cannot stand oh, Harrison, Harrison Barnes. Barnes is just destroying <laughs> NBA teams with his terrible, inefficient play, losing efforts. <laughs> And he just punked this promising Sacramento Kings out for four years, eighty-five million. This guy, this guy's just a bona fide loser, man. Not not in like a personal I life sense, but in a basketball sense. <laughs> he he is the product of an NBA, He's an NBA champ that he did not have much to do with. <laughs> it's like he is he is Festus Azili. Okay. You remember he Festus Azili? <laughs> a man that the Lakers were about to pay like I Harrison Barnes got paid Zilli. because he was on the Warriors when they won the championship. And how did that work out for them? Pretty good. Good thing they didn't get him. <laughs> and that's exactly what is happening except Harrison Barnes is actually getting these contracts. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is pretty surprising when you do the breakdown of how much money he's going to be making all the way until he's 30 years old and maybe at 31 this contract runs out. But it is kind of funny considering he's he touched, a guy I mean, who's he never it. I don't he think he's there, ever touched like, 18 points a game or maybe he did once before they got Doncic. I mean, they were still terrible last year, but yeah, Doncic was like really the redeeming factor for them. When they had Harrison Barnes, man, they were terrible. Right. Okay. I, I can see Harrison Barnes. It's funny because I feel like that signing just didn't really get the attention you would think it would. What's funny about it, too, is he, re, he had rejected yeah. his player no, option, and it seemed like oh, he's that genius, was a ludicrous man. move. This guy. Now it uh, seems yeah, like he, it was he genius. He had his best season. His first year in Dallas, he averaged 19 <laughs> points a game, 46% shooting, 35% from three. Like, that's not too bad, but... He, that was their best player. That bad. was him acting as their best player. Yeah, and he and he only got oh, yeah, worse on who won, from what, that. 40 like games? every year when they like they when when he played with Doncic, he only got seventeen points a game. 40 percent shooting. All right, forty percent. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys, man, some guys can do it. I don't if you can't shoot forty percent in the NBA, unless you're seven footer, I guess you no, know, even if you're a seven footer, you should be shooting a lot more than that. But unless you're like no, I don't think in this today's NBA you should be shooting yeah. under forty percent and be way making go, more Harrison than Barnes. like twelve million dollars a you year. Did it. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. But the, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess the best signing here, I think it's oh, impossible yeah. to argue against. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers top five player you swing the power of the conferences over to your side you swing the power to your franchise a franchise with no championships and you give yourself a legitimate chance and alongside this you bring oh, Paul George onto yeah. your added no. core great side <laughs> yeah not Applauses. even a close second no, way no argument can, here man. not even a close Kawhi second Leonard, man the potential MVP going into the season now coming off an NBA championship there yeah this is the only player any team ever wanted. 
Right, exactly. So I think much enough said there. So time to close the <laughs> podcast and a final thought. Is here something that kind of maybe fell through the cracks for us, but the question is, will Shaq follow through and kiss Steve Kerr's feet <laughs> with cheese on it on Fear Factor, even though it's a canceled show where they bring back Joe Rogan, the Fear oh Factor production gosh. crew, like specifically for this moment where he, quote, said in this video back in the early 2000s or late 2000s, he said it will never be done. A coach going four out of five finals, going to the yep. NBA finals four out of within five like years, 10 years. <laughs> will never be done again. And... Right, and Steve Kerr comes out of nowhere, proves him, proves that this Shaq oh, said this, thanks to David West texting him that video over to him. And then whether or not he keeps his word, I think uh, there's some little history with the TNT crew keeping their word. And here's a way back Wednesday, back in 2002, Charles, Bar- Charles Barkley bet Kenny Smith the Yao Ming in his rookie year. This is when he was a rookie. <laughs> such a random number. Never scored 19, 19 points <laughs> in an NBA game. <laughs> he was just a straight Yao Ming uh, hater and it only took Yao Ming two days after Charles Barkley said that to score over 19 <laughs> points and Charles Barkley had to follow through and kiss a donkey because his bet was that he would kiss Kenny Smith's ass so instead of literally kissing his butt he just uh, brought a so donkey great. And I, I have to Charles think that because all these guys are on the kiss. TNT halftime show inside the NBA show like they're gonna make Shaq do this at some point during the season like it just has to happen it's gonna come up multiple times if it doesn't <laughs> yes I would love to see this happen I'm not sure if Steve yeah. Kerr will have a moment yeah. I guess they would I, I, I guess really think they could make it happen maybe you can pull I think this Steve off. Kerr would be totally on board with cheese on it. <laughs> yeah, I think all NBA fans are on board to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in and we will got we get we have division previews coming in a little bit later into the summer as we get we get ramped up here for the NBA season there. to start in a what, couple a good week, more everyone. months, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>